Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So it's now been a month and a day since Russia invaded Ukraine. Again, or continued, or however you want to put it. But um, the action started on February the 24th. And uh, I think for most analysts and most observers, what's happened since has been quite surprising and unexpected. And I think if you're a Russian um, military general or Vladimir Putin, it's extremely surprising, frustrating, and somewhat embarrassing. That's the take I'm getting. Anyway, we're going to chat with David Perry now, who's president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and host of the podcast Defense Deconstructed. David, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Hey, great to talk to you. So a month in um, to this, and I think for most people, uh, do I have it right? It's fairly surprising the way that this has gone. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, it's surprising in a, in a number of different ways. Um, one of them is the way that the Russians initially conducted this, which I think has, has led to uh, a bunch of the surprise about their relatively uh, low ability to achieve what looked to be their, their initial aims, which were uh, to take over the country, overthrow the Zelensky regime, install a puppet. Um, at the same time, there's also, I think, been some pleasant surprise about how well the Ukrainian side has performed. Um, I think we do need to be cautious, though, that I think even still about a month in, we're really only seeing um, clearly, I think, one side of this conflict. The Ukrainians have done a pretty masterful job uh, at a very successful information campaign. So I don't think we know nearly as much about what's happened to the Ukrainian army, as an example. Uh, and we certainly have seen lots made of all the Russians' problems. Um, but set against that, the, uh, the, the, it's important to keep in mind the Russians have taken a lot of territory, uh, and they look to be on the verge of consolidating a lot of what they've taken across uh, southern Ukraine into the eastern part of the country. Um, so despite the difficulties around the capital uh, and despite the problems their Air Force have had and, and a lot of other difficulties, uh, Ukraine has already given up quite significant parts of its country. Um so when we hear reports of it, it's stalled, it's turned into a stalemate, it's a quagmire, it's not gone the way that Russia wanted. Uh, in some areas that might be true, but in other areas they've certainly managed to accomplish their goals? Yeah, I think that's fair. So yeah. the Russians have basically moved into the country in, in three different uh, lines of effort. Uh, one in the south, up from Crimea, in the east, west, through the, the Donbass region, where they uh, had already um, partially held controlled territory with affiliated groups. Uh, and then the other effort, uh, and the one that's particularly been stalled, is the one towards the capital in the north of the country around Kiev. Um, where do you anticipate this going? We know that there's lots of pressure from within Ukraine to have more of a NATO presence or provide more weaponry at the very least. Um, how do you anticipate this playing out over the next coming weeks? So I think, given what we've seen thus far, um, the Ukrainians are not going to be short on firepower. Um, yep. A whole range of countries, including our own, have provided them with uh, a pretty breathtaking amount of military assistance. Talking tens of thousands of pieces of uh, individual soldier portable uh, anti-air defenses or anti-tank, anti-armor defenses. Um, it, I think it's difficult to quite get your head around exactly how much uh, weaponry they've been provided and how fast. 
Um, so they're they're well armed, even though they they have additional asks uh, and keep asking for more. Um, what looks like it's going to happen though uh, is along the south. Uh, the the Russians are about to complete uh, the takeover of Mariupol, which mm-hmm. is one of the biggest remaining uh, pieces of territory between Crimea and eastern Ukraine. If they do that, they'll have consolidated basically uh, an ability to, to drive, uh, for lack of a better explanation, from Crimea into Russia and, and reconnect that with Russian territory, which is pretty um, militarily significant from Russia's point of view. I think, unfortunately, though, what we can expect to keep happening is that, so given all the firepower that uh, Ukraine is amassing, they're going to continue to be able to frustrate uh, further Russian advance. doesn't mean that it won't be able to happen, but it'll be tougher given that weaponry. Uh, So I think we can expect, unfortunately, to see the the Russians to continue to just pummel major cities um, and civilian population centers um, into submission, or at least into an attempt at getting them to submit. So how does that end? What, I mean, that, that ultimately Ukraine must submit or, or be, like you say, pummeled to the point they can't resist any longer? I mean, what, how does this end? Hopefully it ends sooner rather than later with some kind of negotiated uh, settlement, if you're taking it from the approach of, of minimizing the loss of human life. Um, I, I think one thing that I don't know that we really know whether or not this has absolutely been viewed to be failure, if you're Vladimir Putin, and, and I think ultimately... He's the one who matters here, mm-hmm. uh, not the wider Russian public or some of his generals. Uh, and I think we do have to be mindful that Russia has demonstrated a totally different willingness to endure suffering, uh, to endure the loss of significant human life when they engage in warfare compared to the, to the West, even in, in recent uh, years. So uh, the Russians have been willing to lose people in the conflicts in Chechnya, uh, up into the multiple thousands, depending on how you you know whose numbers you trust. So they've, there's been a lot of attention p- focused on exactly how many casualties the Russians have endured thus far. And I think from a Western, Canadian, or American or British perspective, it's an incredibly large number. I, I don't know that the Russians look at things the same way because I think fundamentally they've proven to be far more tolerant of of losing people. Uh, to pursue conflict aims that the, their leadership has, has set. So I don't know that we really know that the Russians are anywhere close to the point where they really think they need to bring this to a close. You know, I, I guess we shouldn't look for good news when we're talking about war, David, but really no good news as you sort of break down what's happening in Ukraine. No, I think it's gone better than a lot of people expected from Ukraine, uh, but anyway, you slice it, still terrible. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Uh, David, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you joining us today. Great to talk to you. That is David Perry, who is president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and host of the podcast, Defense Deconstructed. David only had uh, 10 minutes that he could give us this morning, so we appreciate him jumping in and uh, giving us the latest on the situation there as he sees it. I mean, I don't know where we go um, based on this in terms of, you know, what's next and, and, and how this ends. I think that's the question a lot of people have. And I don't know if there's there's any answers. Um, Global's Jeff... Sample is in Lviv, Ukraine, uh, just talking about, you know, um, what he's seeing there. And uh, that's it's pretty far uh, west in Ukraine, about as far west as you can go. Um, but, you know, as grim as this is, he reports that 
It's warming up. Spring is arriving, which means the ground is thawing. The warmer weather has now thawed the ground enough for survivors to begin burying the dead, including this woman's stepfather. He'd been injured, and another man offered to drive him to hospital, but then the car was attacked and blown up, she says. The UN says four weeks of war have killed nearly a thousand civilians, including around 100 children, along with an unknown number of Ukrainian soldiers. You know, but as Jeff says, the people of Ukraine are just amazing. And I think we've all seen that over the course of the past month, right? Just uh, the resolve. It's remarkable. And they say, you know, we, we're not asking for much from the West. Just give us what we need and, and we'll handle this. We will prevail. The Ukrainian military is pushing back, retaking territory near the capital, Kiev, thanks in part to weapons from the West. But Ukraine says that firepower is running out. The West should be delivering more. If they don't want to take part in the war, then... For God's sakes, give us the weapons, give us the tools, and we'll do the rest. That growing optimism is palpable in Lviv, near the Polish border, which has so far been mostly spared the scars of war. Few had expected Ukraine could withstand a Russian invasion. But after a month, it's not only standing, but standing tall. Jeff Semple, Global News, Lviv.